This episode of POMCAST is sponsored by Shalimar. Shalimar Yarns is a hand-dye yarn company committed to the handcraftsmanship of luxury yarns and colourways. Their products can be found in local yarn shops, select online retailers and directly through Shalimar updates. The Shalimar journey began in 2007 with a partnership with their very first yarn mill. Since then, Shalimar has always worked with custom-milled yarns, a broad range of exclusive and exceptional weights and luxury fibres, designed to exacting specifications of beauty, versatility and outstanding hand. These luxury bases are then hand-dyed in their unique and identifiable colour palette, developed as repeatable, consistent colourways. Beauty, wearability, versatility. Shalimar Yarns. And welcome to POMCAST, the podcast brought to you by Pom Pom Quarterly. I am Lydia Gluck and I'm here in Farnham (laughs) with Sophie Scott. Hi, I'm also in Farnham. And the reason we're in Farnham is because we are at Unravel Festival. We're actually in a dressing room backstage. Who has graced this famous space? What Um, seat are we sitting on that legends have also sat on in the Farnham Maltings uh, festivals? It's quite overwhelming. Yeah. We've got an ironing board, uh, there's a coffee machine. <laughs> there's and, a milk jug. And a telephone. It's, this is the high life, guys. <laughs> it really is. I mean, I mean, let's be honest, there are some quite famous uh, knitting types walking these corridors. Yeah, treading the boards. Yep, exactly. Um, and today we have been lucky enough to be hanging out with the lovely Vera Valamaki, but we can get to that later, perhaps. Um, so, welcome. Hello. Um, today we will be talking about our usual thing. So we'll be doing tell and tell, where we tell each other about what we're making. We'll be doing a top tip. Uh, We'll be doing some news, some reviews, um, where we'll be looking at Interpretations Volume 3, which has just been published uh, by the Pom Pom Press, by the lovely Hohi Locatelli and Vera Valamaki, the aforementioned. (laughs) There's a theme developing, guys. Unravel and Interpretations. You'll pick up on the general gist that we've got for this episode. (laughs) Yeah. Additionally, because we are recording backstage uh, while the festival's going on, there might be some occasional door noise or walking around. And because we're next to a river at the moment, we actually had some ducks earlier. So I, I think that's a bonus if we get some duck noise. But just uh, just be aware you might expect a bit of excitement <laughs> on the way. And a little little background noise in general. A little background noise. So, uh, yeah. yeah, so we are live from Unravel. It's all very exciting. Um, we also have an interview, of course, so we'll get to that later. But uh, first up... I think I uh, I went through our run-through in the wrong order, did I not? Well, let's just keep people guessing. What are we going to do next? <laughs> <laughs> What's going to happen? Um, okay, so we were going to go top tip. Top tip. Tip, top, top tip. So, I was thinking about staying motivated with projects. Okay. Do you find it easy to stay motivated, keep the progression of a project going? I think I'm finding it easier and easier. Okay. Which is to say that I used to find it very difficult and I feel like I'm getting better at it. What was the difficult element of it? Well, I think um, when you are not the most experienced crafter, Mm -hmm. you see a finished product and you think, I would like that finished product. I will make the thing. And then the gap between wanting the thing and having the thing (laughs) is much larger than anticipated and perhaps you don't know all the techniques or perhaps you get distracted and, and make some other things in the meantime, or you have a job or something boring like that. Um, um, so I guess it's kind of practice, for want of a better way of okay. putting it, where your expectations are more realistic, perhaps. So you think, I would like a cardigan. I will start it now, and in two months I might have it. And then there's maybe less um, frustration with the pace um, that you're working at. Mm. I don't really know how else to put it. Well, that's interesting, because I would like to hear from the fellow POMCATS listeners, listeners you uh, POMCATS, because <laughs> uh, I find I lose the momentum in projects sometimes. Okay. And I'd like to hear what people kind of recommend if they maybe they experience that themselves. Yeah. Uh, and a reminder, we have the Ravelry Forum that you can join in on. And also we have an email address, which is uh, podcast at pompommag.com. It is, yeah. So um, if anybody has any particular tips for motivation, because I... I don't know that I really have a tip because I also, I, I think it does vary from project to project mm. um, because, you know, some things I start and they're finished within weeks and other things I may started making years ago and still haven't finished. So I have something which I started six years ago. All this right. is what kind of got me thinking about this and I'm sure mm. it's 
no shame in that. Other people have these projects as well, which mm -hmm, is sad. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I did hear someone said like a tip. You sort of agree. Someone say, oh, I'll meet you at this date or we'll mm -hmm. do, go and do this thing and I'll be wearing the cardigan. And then you kind of set yourself that deadline. Ah. So that was one thing I heard. Okay, so yeah, I guess having other people involved is motivational because you don't mm. want to sort of let the group down, whatever that entails. Don't let the team down, man. Yeah, come on, be a team player. So I guess that is a pretty good tip, actually, to kind of... And I guess that's why knit-alongs are fun. True. And yeah. productive for all involved. I think I was listening to another... There are other podcasts, guys. I mean, don't go now, <laughs> just so that you know. Um, I was listening to... It might have been a TED Talk or something, and there was a woman who... Um, said that she wanted to quit smoking and the way that she did it was she promised herself that if she ever smoked again she would donate thousands of dollars to the kkk what and she hates them so oh, she well, was, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. and so that was like a deterrent yes like yeah. don't not like don't do the thing because if you oh. do the thing you'll have to do something you hate whoa so maybe okay. you need to start giving yourself really terrifying penalties <laughs> don't want to enjoy the knitting <laughs> yeah okay yeah so like you know Interesting. Anyway, so not much of a top tip, more of a topic for discussion. Yeah, so we would like to hear your top tips and maybe um, any ideas you've got on the sorts of projects that you lead less sort of um, coercing into finishing and maybe, yeah, because maybe there's like something about projects that we haven't noticed, you know, like, what is it about the projects it's that you don't It's not even the finish? size. I've no. found a pair of uh, gloves I've now, like the hand warmers I've now finished and there was an inch to do. What am I doing? Just putting it in a box and just forgetting about it. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, cool. Anyway. Yeah, so we'd love to hear from you guys. And actually, if you have any other uh, top tip discussion points or perhaps uh, little tips you'd like to share with us and with everyone else, we would be more than happy to hear them. Um, now we're moving on to tell and tell. What have you been working on, Lydia? Well, I've had quite a good um, finishing things a couple of weeks. You have no problem with your motivation, obviously. <laughs> um, so I finished my Turnberry mm -hmm. in the indescribable sort of purpley oh, grey yeah, shape. Talking about that, that we, last podcast. Exactly, yeah. that we discussed. And I've been wearing it a fair bit. And I had a few compliments. I've had people tracking you down at the festival. <laughs> Gotta find that jumper. Where's it from? It really is. Like, knitting shows are the best. Apart from maybe knitting shops. Or True. sort of craft shows and craft shops broadly. Good places to wear things you've made. And good places to get the compliments. People understand, you know. Yeah. They're like, oh, you made that. And, and oh, what yarn is it? And yeah. you have to talk about the way you you know, maybe change the pattern slightly or the reasons that you chose, you know, you get more depth of discussion. It's great. Um, so that's one thing I finished. Very pleased with that. I also almost finished the Caswell Bay headband, the lovely cable headband from the cover of Take Heart um, in a beautiful Madeleine Tosh yarn, which I was given. And the name of the base escapes me now, but I'll put it on the old uh, show notes there for everyone. And it's an amazing red color that I'm very excited about. Oh, awesome. Um, I've been thinking, I've done a lot of knitting. I feel like maybe this ties into the motivation. Maybe I've lost a bit of my knit mojo over the moment. Uh-oh. I've been working on uh, the garland jumper, mm -hmm. which from a pom-pom a couple of issues ago, doing in the shibui silk cloud. Mm -hmm. Very nice, very floaty. Someone actually looked at it the other day and was like, oh, it's like, you know, in Lord of the Rings, the elves make that armour, which is like really <gasps> fine and light. And oh, I, I wish was like, I could remember the name. Yes. Yeah, and I was like, Yes, you're seeing my vision. <laughs> that is it. So that's pretty fun. And sort of on the exact opposite of that, I'm doing some like big slipper socks in puffin. So Quince and Co's like super chunky yarn. I'm using like 10 millimeter needles. So I think that's good to have the balance from this yeah. lacy, fine, ethereal thing floating around <laughs> with the elves to have something a bit more, mm, not orky. What's the name of the trees? Oh, Ents. Ents. Yeah, it's kind of my Ent project. <laughs> Very slow and big. <laughs> So that's fine. I'm using uh, some Bergson socks from Quince and Co's book, Home, of their nice, cosy home projects. Homey things. Yeah. Actually, I also started uh, making a right angle jumper from the spring issue hey. uh, in Schillerstair Luxury DK in this amazing green, 
which I would like to be known henceforth as Lydia Green okay. because it's the colour that I make everything in. I'll Guess what the, kind of green the it right is. The right people about that. It's like a chartreuse sick green, isn't it? It's a kind of pukey, olive yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. And um, I think it's, so, you know, because Chilis Dare, um, it's all uh, natural dyes that mm-hmm. they use. And so their dye lots, I mean, even obviously uh, regular hand-dyed yarn dye lots vary, but I feel like theirs vary quite drastically often. Um and the dialogue that I've got of this green I've had for years. I bought it at Loop, came in, and I was like, wow, it's never looked like that before, and it's never looked <laughs> like that again. So I bought Force Gains, and it's been waiting. It's nice that you finally, it's good when you finally find the right yeah, project. So, uh, so satisfying. satisfying. Maybe that's a good motivational thing. Yeah. Okay. The magical pairing of, of yarn mm. and pattern, and you're like, yes, this is exactly what it should be. Yay! It's like when I rearranged the kitchen, I found this really good space for the toaster. It's maybe, exactly maybe, like maybe that's just me. <laughs> That's how I'm satisfying. Um, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm pleased with that. And I've got about, I've only got about two inches of it. But yesterday, mm. um, on the first day of Unravel, uh, Georgia Farrell, who designed that jumper for us, she mm-hmm. stopped by the, the stand and said hello, which was very nice. It was nice to meet her. And I was like, I'm making your pattern. Yay. I think this is a good point to say thank you and hello to all those people who came to visit the stand. Also, because we're recording this on a Saturday, who will come to the stand on Sunday. Um, yeah, thank you for coming and saying hello, saying nice things about the magazine, nice things about the podcast. That's always nice yeah, to hear nice as well. Yeah, nice things about the new books. It's always lovely to meet everybody. And we have one particular shout out to do. Um, this podcast is powered by Mini Eggs. Yeah, it's supplied by one cool pomcat called Alison who brought us some mini eggs. So thank you. <laughs> so thank you, Alison. We have eaten most of them, I think, yeah. in a space for about <laughs> 10 minutes. So if we speak, like if we keep getting sort of more and more shrill... That could be the sugar sort of slowly <laughs> in the bloodstream. Yes. But thank you. It's really lovely. It's, that's why I like doing these festivals. It's nice to see everyone. It is really yeah. nice. Yeah. Because we sit in, in a room, just the two of us talking yeah. at a microphone. <laughs> so it's nice to to um, to speak to people who listen to our funny voices. Real people. Real people with ears. <laughs> um, so yeah. So that's, that's it for Tell and Tell. Nice. Moving on to news and reviews. Well, the big news is we're Ravel with Woo. a collection of interpretations, volumes one, two, and three. Exactly. So if you've been sort of keeping an eye on our social media, um, which you should be if yeah. you're not. <laughs> Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Yes, all the ones. <laughs> um, and our website, of course. You'll know that Pom Pom Press has just printed uh, the Interpretations Collections by Hohi Locatelli and Vera Valamaki. Just pressed. They've all been just, squeezed. Yeah. <laughs> Freshly squeezed books. <laughs> and um, of course, Interpretations 1 and 2 were available digitally and still are, but we've printed them in the same format as the magazines. Mm-hmm. So um, same lovely heavy paper, same lovely lamination, same size. Cozy size is what I'd call that. Exactly. P- perfect cozy size for <laughs> p- p- a- projects. A cozy like A5, A4, and then there's A cozy. <laughs> That's the size that pom-pom stuff comes in. Exactly. So they're the same um, height as your uh, pom-pom magazines and as take hearts. So they mm-hmm. can all kind of sit together and be friends on the shelf without mm-hmm. anyone being worried about being short or tall. <laughs> Very egalitarian. <laughs> um, but of course, volume three uh, was only released a few days ago, actually, when we were recording this yeah. in, in all forms. And so we're very pleased, very honoured, very pleased to be working with Hohi and Vera, who are wonderful designers and wonderful people, of course. So we've talked about interpretations a little bit when we interviewed Hohi Locatelli a couple of podcasts ago. Check that out if you haven't listened to it. Interpretations is a project that Vera and Hohi have worked together on, uh, choosing words as the starting points for their projects. So they've both come together chosen six words and then each designer has taken that word and designed a pattern that evokes the meaning for them. Yeah, exactly. So they've both um, interpreted the word as they as they feel it, I suppose. Yeah. Um, which is lovely. It means that so there's six words. Did you already say that? Six, six words, words, yeah. Per Maths. volume. <laughs> <laughs> and so that means 12 patterns total, six by Hohi and, and six by Vera. Mm. And I mean, they're just beautiful. And they're beautifully... Um, Photographed, of course. The first volume was uh, photographed in Argentina. Mm-hmm. Second in Finland. From. Exactly, uh, Finland. Where Vera from? That's Vera land. And third was done in Germany. Um, so we'll link to all of that, of course. But it'll all be, you know, the first thing that you'll see on our website. I would have thought, and um, definitely check check those out. 
And we won't probably talk too much about interpretations because no. the interview coming up with Vera, which we recorded here at Unravel, um, a little bit more on that later. Exactly. Let's yeah, talk we're going about to the patterns. Yeah, we can talk about some patterns. Oh, but wait, before we do that, we should do a little bit more news. Wait. Just a little quick news. We're going to be at um, Edinburgh Yarn Festival in oh, March, yeah. <laughs> which is like a month away at this point. Um, and there's various sort of podcast meetups going on. So um, hopefully one or both of us will be able to make it to the podcaster meet and greets um, while we're in Edinburgh and we'll be, you know, telling you about those things via social media. Calling it a podcast lounge. Lounge makes me think I'm going to be sat there with a cocktail in like a nice smoking jacket. Like, good evening. I mean, I hope you will be. <laughs> Maybe I just will anyway. <laughs> we'll bring our own cocktails and smoking yeah. jackets. <laughs> a big bar that's like shaped like a globe. <laughs> oh, that would be great. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, so there'll be other lovely podcasters there. It's organised by um, Knit British Podcast Mm -hmm. and all sorts of other knit and yarn and craft and crochet-related podcast types will be there. And sponsored by Blackie Yarns. Exactly. We're big fans of, and you've heard, sponsor this podcast. So they're great uh, uh, supporters of the podcast and knitting scene. They certainly are. They certainly are. Um, Okay, so now that we did that little news, sorry. So now we did our news news interlude. Um, So yeah, let's do a little little look at volume three. So Sophie, what are your pattern picks from Interpretations volume three? Well, I'm quite the fan of Hohe's Curious Cowl. Well, actually, it's the word curious. Uh, It's the peeping cowl. Peeping. Uh, She's peeping out over the top of it, just as (laughs) no showing. Um, The stripes and colours of different stitch patterns, kind of a similar theme to her cashmere cowl, the three-colour cashmere cowl, Uh, you Mm -hmm. know that one? That's a fun one. Mm. Um, Taking little chunks of different stitch patterns and colours, and a nice little thing in the book is she said it's like a travelling project, so she remembers different chunks of places and times when she's done different colours, or a different kind of textured cable or stitch. I think that's a nice little project. Definitely. I'd like to do one of those, yeah. And a good way to use up scraps, isn't it? Because it's yes. different uh, little bits of sock yarn there. Everyone's nice. got that kicking around. <laughs> what else? Um, and probably from the Vera side of things, mm-hmm. I'd go for her Hartfeld Cardi. Or Hartfeld Cardigan, if you want the full Oh, name. that's the one with the like lace sort of pattern down the back. Yes, so it's taking from the, the word aged, not mm-hmm. aged, as I was saying previously <laughs> when we were organising this podcast. Um taking the ideas of the beauty in the old and the new and the pattern is quite a modern cut mm-hmm. quite a cut it's not a cut but it's uh, stitched yeah the cardigans yeah got quite a modern aesthetic but you're taking the very traditional elements of lace and the sort of the stitch pattern that Vera's used is sort of a uh, a little nod to the more aged styles of knitting maybe mm. yeah and that one again is sock weight isn't it yes. and it's all like kind of like drapey and floaty wearably Wearable. <laughs> so, in Spanish. Yes. It did in honor of Hohe. In honor of, yes. <laughs> Little Spanish there for the Spanish listeners. What's this in, what is it in Finnish? Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Let's all go down that road. <laughs> um, so, I think. Oh, um, yeah. What do you. Sorry. Yeah. What about me, Sophie? What about I'm my just opinions? Dying to know. <laughs> what would you pick for our listeners to check out if they had to just look at two patterns? What would you say? Guys, get on Ravelry and fave these. <laughs> well, I am going for... Pregnant pause there. Um, <laughs> the breathing space... Um, I, I want to call it a jumper, but it's not. It's sort of like a, I guess, what the Americans might call a pullover or sweater. As in, it's like a long sleeve top that's not for... A top. Yes, it is a top. Well done, me. I'm glad we got there. Um, so breathing space top which um is well first of all has fun speckly yarn in stripes mm-hmm. um but has very interesting sh- so it's stripey lady likes stripes tick tick speckly yarn lady likes that too tick uh has a kind of boxy flowy shape tick 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 um but also has very interesting uh short row shaping so that the stripes around the kind of top section are worked horizontally and then they're worked at, at a diagonal so I think it would be a fun one to do because uh, it's obviously a lot of stockinette stitched in, in stripes, but you've got the fun kind of uh, short rows keeping you interested and the fun speckles, if you choose to use that, keeping you interested. I mean, I guess you could make it in a solid colour. I don't know why you would. I'm all about it. But you had a very 
variegated yarn. Maybe that could be something to experiment with. I'm just thinking about it like, hmm? Yeah. That's, I think stripes are a good way to use variegated and speckly yarns, aren't they? Especially in this pattern, because Vera's chosen quite a subtle grey to go with the intensely speckled uh, Holy Festival. No, yes. Mal yeah, and yeah, yeah, Holy Festival. If you know that one, it's uh, up there with the speckles. <laughs> so yeah, being able to sort of introduce a more crazy kind of pattern colour into the into the mix. Yeah, exactly. So mm. that's uh, that's that pick. And then the other one I chose is also from... Oh, so wait, so Breathing it's Space is from the free uh, word section. So you're going to say it's also from the book Interpretation. So it's like, <laughs> what do you good. know? Yes. <laughs> good, Liddy, you stuck to the brief. Well done, you. Um, no, it's also from the word aged or aged, aged. depending on how you're aged. saying things, <laughs> um, which was um, Hohe's Timeless Henley, which is a very pretty Henley, mm -hmm. unsurprisingly, so with little buttons there. In the middle. That she's pointing to there. To <laughs> her collarbone, the cent central collarbone area, <laughs> just there. <laughs> um, and it's got a very pretty kind of simple lace pattern um, that looks like it would be memorizable and therefore sort of satisfying. And much like the heartfelt cardi, which was also in the age section, um, it's knit in a very pretty kind of warm neutral, mm. which appeals to me. And has a kind of aged, it's like a kind of parchment, it's like a very dark parchmenty colour, maybe. Excellent. Sophie's nodding. Mm, she yes. agrees with me. Yay! Wonderful. <laughs> so that was Interpretations 3. Um, available from the Pompom -pom website, there's now a books section. So when you head to www.pompommag.com, you want a forward slash books. You can find do. that. Yay! And uh, volumes one and two are also available there. And they're all the same size as Pompom -pom and Take Heart, so they'll fit all neatly on your shelf. Excellent. <laughs> so we're here at Unravel Festival, live at the festival with Vera Valmaki. Hi, Vera. Hello, I'm so happy to be here with you guys. <laughs> and we're so very happy to have you and we have a live audience here, which we've never had before. So there might be some fun knitting noises in the background. Hopefully giggles. I don't know, anything could happen. But uh, okay, so Sophie's going to do question one, I think. So we like to start with somewhat an obvious question, but I think an essential question that probably everyone's thinking as well. Your earliest memories of knitting and how you came to start uh, learning how to knit well, there's a funny story and I know I've been telling it already, but hopefully not everyone knows it by now. Um, I changed schools when I went to third grade and all my other new classmates, they knew how to knit. And we were supposed to knit a sweater. Well, it was some more of a vest, but anyway, a pullover type thing. And I went home and I was like, oh my God, mom, I don't know how to knit and all the others, they do please help me. Well, <laughs> she did. And I did learn to knit, just to knit. But I was so proud of myself. And then came the school day when we needed to like design our sweaters. And all the other classmates, they were drawing these rainbow-colored striped sweatshirts. And I was thinking, oh my God, changing color must be so hard. I'm just going to do red ribbings and then blue body and red ribbings. And when I learned how easy <laughs> it really was, I was like, what? Mom, <laughs> you should have said something. And I, I stuck with my red and blue <laughs> sweater and I finished it. But ever since I think I've... I've had my fair share of stripes. <laughs> Very good. Do you, do you still have the, the jumper that you made? I think it's somewhere. I haven't seen it, but I'm guessing my grandma might have it somewhere stacked. <laughs> That's brilliant. I think uh, obviously knitting is a lot more present in schools in Finland than it is in the UK. Uh, not in every school. I went to Waldorf school, so that's a big part why all the others knew how to knit from the first grade and I didn't. Just waiting for the jumper to be interpretations for, maybe? We'll have like some sort of blue and red situation. Nice. So speaking of Finland, you've actually flown in this morning. Thank you for coming straight here as well. There's no jet lag to deal with, hopefully not too much. No. 
Um, so yeah, we, what to? Um, how do you feel Finland's knitting culture has influenced you, and why is that important for you and your work? Well, the knitting culture in Finland, it it it's always been really out of necessity. Like it's cold, yeah. you need to keep warm. You need to know how to knit, and that was the basics. And being like the little sister of big big knitting cultures, like in Russia and also in Scandinavia, we've always been the smaller sister. Our we have lace but it's not as complicated, let's say, in Russia. Or we do have some color work. It's typical in Finland too, but it's not as complicated as in Norway or Sweden. Like the most typical knitted sweater in Finland used to be the kind of sweater that had uh, checkers, uh, like in Tarsia or stranded knitting, just at add the chest and then one color and one color so it's way more simpler but we do have a knitting culture <laughs> and do you think that that particular culture has influenced your work or do you think it's not not so much and that you've just kind of taken from all over well I also think that I started knitting for necessity because I I still need the items to keep myself warm so sort of that culture is still in inside of me and I think even in my pattern writing style, I too tend to go more like I try to say things as quickly and easily as possible. Like I don't go for the typical knit a sleeve or reverse the shaping. Right. <laughs> but I try to be more elaborate than that. But still, it's simpler than like, say, American style of pattern writing. So to the main topic, which uh, is sort of the theme why we're here, your collection of interpretations. Again, lovely modelling. This is great. Um, so you've been working with designer uh, Hoki Locatelli. There's a great interview with her as well on the podcast. Check that out later. Um, so yeah, how did you guys come to start to work together and how did you meet and the process of your designs? And when did that begin? Well, we've been uh, admirers of each other's work for I guess quite a long time before we started chatting and that happened at uh, on Ravelry we just started changing messages and got like talking more and soon we just the idea came out that oh, we should do something together something that would be fun and easy and not like not pressing or no hard deadlines or anything just something fun and that's how the interpretations came to be. And was it uh, the way that you decided to work with interpretations as, inter as in your interpreting words? Did that idea come from you or Hoki or was it kind of even the idea itself collaborative? I, I really can't remember. I think it, it must have been sort of like coming out of just somewhere waiting to happen. Yes, I have no idea. <laughs> That's fine. So maybe you could explain a little bit more about the project if people aren't familiar with it. So you've taken words and you and Yohi kind of take your pants from then. Tell, tell us a little bit more about the process. How that uh, so we started with choosing six words for each collection. And for each of the word, both of us would do a design. Uh, and... Um, that's about the restrictions that we had. Only other factor that was important was the, the color palette. Sort of like we chose the range of colors, what to use in the specific collection. Like we had gray and black and pink and teal and yellow for the first one. But other than that, then we just, we could do whatever we wanted. And I think it's, that's the, um, one of the most fascinating parts of this whole project. How in, even if the restrictions are so small, we still make it ha like come together so amazingly well. And because uh, we live in like the opposite side of the world, we don't really get to see each other or 
yes, we do communicate intensively, but we just do the sketches on our own and show them to the other other one. And yes, we probably choose yarn we are thinking for for one particular design so that we don't have two designs in Toshmerun lights for one word. But other than that, it's it it just works. Yeah. <laughs> well it does. <laughs> and um how do you go about choosing the words? Do you choose three each or um uh, we do it together, like we brainstorm, we have ideas and then how about this and how about that? But even that has been always so easy. It, it amazes me. Like, I don't think if we've ever had a disagreement about a word or, no, don't, don't say that. <laughs> so you're a good team. <laughs> it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> I was going to say, the, the whole process sounds, it's great that you have like this partner you found to work with and the whole process sounds very creative and playful what would you say has been the biggest challenge for you with this set of interpretations to stick with the schedule <laughs> the one with no hard deadlines <laughs> but there usually is a hard deadline and that's the photo shoot <laughs> yes okay so this could be a good time to ask you about the the most recent photo shoot um for the third volume um, yeah, tell us about that. Tell us where you did it and who you were working with. Um, all the photo shoots have been done in different parts of the world. For the first one, uh, me and my whole family, we traveled to Argentina. Just we've, we hadn't, we've never met in person before that. We just jumped on the plane and went there. And it was fa fantastic. Amazing. Just, just fantastic. <laughs> so that was in Argentina. Did you stay with with Hohi and her family? Yes, we did. <laughs> and we both we both have two boys, so it, it just magically worked. And then, so for the second volume, you were in Finland. For the second volume, they came and visited us again, the whole family, and I had the most fantastic time showing them around, showing them my everyday life because like they did with with theirs and it was so fascinating I was happy to see that side of my own everyday life yeah it's nice when you show things to other people you get to see it through their eyes a little bit and so for volume three you shot it in Germany didn't you yes that was we knew we didn't have enough time to travel like with the whole family that this year so last year so we we just knew okay we are going to be in germany at that time both of us so let's do it there and we did and we had the best help ever finding the locations and all the things you need to know to do a proper photo shoot it was amazing and it looks amazing <laughs> i think we can all agree so interpretations the whole idea of interpreting words interpreting words that you've chosen and obviously English isn't your first language for either you or Hohi and I'm interested to see the process of choosing those words which are English and then do you translate them quite literally from how you understand the English word or is it sort of then interpreting into your own language and then having your native tongue for that word does that make sense like how do you approach the word I must say that I'm uh, I feel that I'm completely working in English I've uh, I have uh, published books in Finnish as well but my knitting language would be English definitely I'm not super fluent speaking English but I think I'm more more fluent like writing it and with this project it's, it's been done in English from the beginning and I not even with the words I never go back and try to find us like the one good Finnish word for it it's just the English one and all all that comes with that and I think it's the same with Hohi I think she also writes her patterns and she also works in English and that's also one of the things that unites us going into a different sort of design uh, district now 
your Project Color Affections, which is, you know, one of the top hits of Ravelry. I was just checking to see if anyone's wearing one. Might, maybe some people have knitted one. Should have good odds if there is. Um, so, yeah, tell us about your approach to color, because obviously that is a, you know, a great example of a three-color shawl. I think I saw one color affection oh, walking okay. here. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, think, I think I did. Um, color, it, it, it's super important for me. I'm, I love most of the colors and sometimes I think that you also need to add some ugly colors to your knitting to sort of like spice it up to make it perfect. What's an ugly color? <laughs> you never know what's an ugly color. <laughs> it's always in the context. Like some blue might look just perfect with, with pink but when you add some, I don't know, some speckle craziness into it that would be total disaster by itself but it might just bring like brighten the whole thing and with color i love to experiment see what works what doesn't work um one design from the new collection is a perfect example of that um my 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 striped sweater yeah, the one that's that's over there on the model, half model. <laughs> My breathing space. Uh, first of all, it it was gonna be a boxy type of sweater, but once I've uh, like uh, sketched the piece and like done my basic idea of how I'm going to knit it and how I'm going to write the pattern and everything and what colors I'm going to choose. I saw a sweater that was so much alike it. I was like, okay, I'm not going to do the same thing again. And I was pretty bummed because I loved that first idea. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, someone beat me to that idea. <laughs> but okay, never mind. Let's move on. So the idea for breathing space came came to be like that from from that like disappointment, and I was so happy about the idea. But I had uh, I had a different color for the stripes. It was more. It was sort of like a gray, lighter gray, and it just blended in, and I couldn't see what I was knitting, and I couldn't see the stripes, and it looked just like ugly something <laughs> no <laughs> no so I had to like oh I was texting to Hohi oh my god what, what do I do this doesn't work what what should we do <laughs> a few weeks before the photo shoot was coming up so I was in a bit of hurry <laughs> I guess <laughs> but then I found this one skein of holy festival by Madeline Tosh and it was so amazing with the uncommon red peat, just, just amazing. <laughs> so you said that um, sort of you can't pick an ugly color because it's all in the context. Is there like a least favorite color that you have, one that you almost never work with? Um, I love orange, but if I wear orange, I look seasick. So I would say orange around my face is an ugly color. <laughs> Oh, my okay. face is ugly. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, okay. So, as we said, you've traveled over to the UK for this weekend. We're always interested about what people take for travel knitting. We're always planning it ourselves if we're going places. So, have you? how many projects have you packed? Is it like an overestimation? Or you plan to buy everything here and work on your projects? What have you packed? I only have one project. Okay. It's a um, fingering weight lace cardigan <laughs> there we go you're very organized <laughs> well done <laughs> um should we i don't know if we we did, did we did that one yeah, okay we're quite good wow yeah. we, <laughs> sophie knows what's going on <laughs> so one of our classic questions that we do on the podcast if people have listened to before and indeed if you have is we have what animal would represent your personality we used to call it spirit animal but now we don't got in trouble with that so it's the animal that like evokes your personality what you would be in animal form i would be a squirrel <laughs> um, tell us why well i just love squirrels 
<laughs> Red squirrel or grey squirrel? Any squirrel. <laughs> How do you, what is it that evokes the squirrel for you with the, the Vera essence? They are so quick and moving and going and making their little homes, uh, preparing for the winter. I guess all knitters are a bit like squirrels then. We're yeah. like, winter, quick, prepare. <laughs> Stuff <from> yarn. <laughs> oh, so also in the theme of yarn, which we often are, um, imagine if you're cast, cast upon a desert isle. Uh, you can only take one yarn, one blend, uh, any, well, any weight, or maybe if you'd like to say what particular weight you'd go for. Uh, we're giving you an unlimited supply of colours. Okay, you're all right with this? Okay. You know what your answer? Go ahead, please. Cuss no light. <laughs> so, that's so simple. It is. It is. <laughs> there is a lot of colours as well, so. Yeah, yeah good choice. I wouldn't run out. <laughs> Great. Um, Cuss light by Madeline Tosh. The speckly yarn there is the is Tosh Marina Light. Um, okay, so since volume three is the is the brand new one, I don't know if there are a few. Yes, <laughs> book model, very good. Um, would you like to talk a little bit about maybe one or two of the patterns, the the way that you interpreted the the words? I don't know if you have any favourites. Well, maybe I can speak of the of the theme three. Because it, it was my favorite theme, even though it, had, it, it caused me the most trouble in this collection with the breathing space pullover. But I think it's the theme where we can see... Uh, I love both of these work, these designs. I love the, how he has a great eye for detail. And I think it shows in this let go cardigan. So the, the word they were both interpreting was free. And Joji designed this. Uh, I know it's sort of quite small for you guys, but you can come and have a look afterwards. Um, the <laughs> yeah, the uh, let go cardigan and Vera did her breathing space pullover. And I love how, how he seemed to have interpreted this more of like the free is from I see it in in like it's easy to wear, it's easy to put on, it's easy to have on, and yet it's so detailed. I I envy Hohi's eye for details. She's just amazing. And for me, I think it was more about the big picture, like the I'm free with this, and like. Hmm. Something like that. <laughs> I don't know what I was saying, actually. I think the, the action was illustrative. Yeah, <laughs> yeah perfect for, for people who can't see. <laughs> oh, or what about um, the... Sophie, do you want to pick up the jumper that's on the table? So, the Curious team. That was one... Um, I actually saw Hohi starting her cowl with everything in it like every texture like the the it was it's a perfect example of a curious mind like okay what next let's try some other color let's try some other cables some stitch pattern some lace uh, my curious was more about the maybe also this is more about the color like how these colors would go together how they would come to be and I've only seen one test knit made out of this pattern and my test knitter chose amazing graphic colors uh, dark gray and light gray and the sweater looks totally different it's like a, it's a different thing so this is one of the patterns where you really can play with color Brilliant. Thank you. Okay, well, before I open it up, I'm just going to on mic say thank you to Vera. <laughs> thank you so much, Vera. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, thank you, audience. <laughs> Have a good day. <laughs>
today, the knitter that you should know about, and we have found out more about in order that you will know about them, uh, is Barbara Walker, who I think we both thought we were pretty familiar with. I thought she did the knitting stitch dictionaries. I thought that's what she did, but she did so much more. She does so many things. Okay, so, I mean, we'll start at the beginning. Barbara Walker was born in 1930 uh, in Philadelphia. Just to put that in the timeline, in a place and a time for you guys. Yep. Um, which makes her 86, I believe. She's still alive She's and still going. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, she studied journalism. Um, and in the 70s, she studied modern dance. And even taught dance, I think. Yeah. So didn't come to knitting straight away. I think she was after her first child was born. She says, oh, I'm going to learn how to knit. And she sort of taught herself how to knit. And um, one of the things when you sort of look more about her life is that she just gets interested in stuff and is quite the scholar and the researcher and says, I like this thing. I'm going to find out all about it. And with knitting, that's kind of what happened. She did more more and more research and more and more knitting and ended up writing like some 30-something books about knitting. Yeah, she decided to collect um, the stitches she discovered through her research and, and she invented some as well. And she collected them into the uh, treasuries that were fairly familiar with mm-hmm. um, that are in kind of bright primary colours. Um, but yeah, I thought it was interested, interesting that she said that so she didn't come from a crafty family. Um, like she, I think uh, she said that her... You know, her mom didn't knit or, or nobody taught her to sort of knit or do crafty things when she was younger. Um, and somebody had tried to teach her to knit when she was in university or college. Um, and she just was like, eh, not for me. And then came back to it. Uh, and yeah, wrote all these kind of uh, very important books, including the treasuries and mosaic knitting um, and a book called Knitting from the Top Down. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is a great kind of 80s-tastic cover. Yeah, it does. Sort of someone with like a actually knitting while they're wearing the jumper, which is pretty fun. Um, so a lot of reference books from Barbara. Um, but also, so when we started to look into her, the first thing that popped up was that she also has written extensively on, on well, specifically feminism and feminism-related topics like uh, cultural anthropology and spirituality. Um, and she even has her own deck of tarot cards that you can buy the Barbara Walker tarot cards yeah so she's quite interested in religion and how sort of feminism plays and uh, part in that yeah. yeah she's she illustrated her own tarot deck and they're all based on sort of myths and gods and goddesses involved she's incredible and she also so she also set up uh, a local hotline in the mid 70s uh, I don't know where she lived at that point but it was <laughs> where the hotline she set up was local yeah um for battered women and pregnant teens so an amazing lady, and her work was recognised by the American Humanist Association, and they gave her the Humanist Heroine Award in 1993. Yeah, and she also received the Women Making Her Story, as in history, but her story. I love that word. I yes. know. <laughs> award from um, the New Jersey... Um, NOW, which was National Organisation for Women. Yes, 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 well done. Yeah, I just saw, now, now. in letters. Um... She so in, in the research that we did, she she's quite a sort of um, severe would be the wrong word, but she seems quite determined. Uh, yes, determined, and she doesn't seem to suffer fools. No, I think a bit like maybe Elizabeth Zimmerman, also quite uh, sort of to the point. You know, feet on the ground. I will just get on with it then, yeah. kind of way. She seemed to when she found something she was interested in, she'd get all those books out of the library and sort of exhaust all the possible routes that she could find out as much as possible. What was the thing she was saying about minerals? <laughs> oh, yeah, so so in, in part of the, the reading I did about her... Well, first of all, so she, yeah, she, did, she was self-describing as a, as a scholar and she said that she gave herself a course each year and she'd study that topic, you know, go like Sophie said, go to the library, get all the books out. And one of the courses she gave herself uh, was um, minerals. And there's just this brilliant quote that I'm going to read out now. So she said... I am always annoyed by people who are too intellectually lazy to do any serious study of subjects in which they claim to be interested. That's one reason why I wrote my book on minerals, to debunk some of the foolishness that passes for mineral law these days. Nature's wonders deserve more respect. So yeah, a lady who knows her stuff. Indeed. Um, and kind of is an excellent example. She seems to have excelled in all sorts of different areas. Mm. So... A final few words from the lady herself, mm-hmm. taking these from her Treasury of Knitting Pattern books, um, which are a collection of stitch patterns. Some patterns almost seem to cry out to be used. They say, don't just knit something, knit something beautiful. 
And so I guess because a lot of her books uh, are very reference-based in the knitting world, um, there's a nice little quote here um, which says, and this is about the Stitch Treasuries, mm-hmm. it is not a book to be read, it is a book to be worked with, needles and yarn in hand. Very good. A tool, much like your needles and yarn, I guess. So um, we have a few notable knitting works, which we've already mentioned. So that is mosaic knitting, knitting from the top, and a treasury of knitting patterns. Uh, there are four volumes of that. So there's like the first treasury, second treasury, etc. There's also her non-knitting titles, which uh, are feminist fairy tales, the woman's encyclopedia of myths and secrets, the crone, women of age, wisdom and power, and uh, her mo- most recent work, um, Belief and Unbelief, which was published in like, 2014. So very, very recently. And that's yeah. just a very small amount. She looked like she'd published like 30, 40 books, yeah. something like that. So this is just the ones that we either already knew about or liked the title of. Yeah. So we suggest those for further reading. And also there's a wonderful um, interview with the lady herself on a Fiber Hooligan podcast. Yeah, so we'll link to that um, in the show notes. Um, and there's also the Barbara Walker Treasury Project, which we'll also link to, which is an online uh, project where um, people are collaborating to produce sort of colour and larger versions of swatches from the from the stitch dictionaries. Mm. Um, so in the treasuries, a lot of the um, pictures of the swatches are quite... They can be a bit hard to see sometimes, mm. can't they? And they're black and white, you know, they're quite old... Um, photographs quite old books i mean they're they're reprinted now by um schoolhouse press but you know they they're of a different era yeah so this project is um knitters submitting the swatches they've done for the the good of the internet and the world exactly so if you're using one of her stitch dictionaries and you and you would like to see more pictures of those swatches that's where you can go so that's really awesome um and that's barbara walker we were pretty impressed by her and i'm sure you guys are as well so if you have heard of her or even if you haven't you can find out lots more in the show notes or um, check out some of her books. Maybe pick some up at the library or uh, your local yarn store. So now to our top three. Top three is where we have a topic. And we decide, what is the bestest of these topics things? (laughs) And it's very uh, high-tech. We do hours of research and uh, correlations with charts. Yep. Um, We interpret dreams. Yep. Scientific uh, observation and experiments. Yep. All to bring us to the conclusions that we will share with you. Often they're food-based, in which case we have to do a lot of kind of culinary um, testing for sort of various sugars and fats and so on. (laughs) Radness is one of the <laughs> qualifying factors, of course. Um, so, this uh, episode, our top three was suggested by one of you lot. Yes, yeah, so often you guys get in touch, and we love that, on the Ravelry Forum to suggest our top threes. And also, you say what you think. You say, no, that is wrong, your three. You should be looking at this. Fair enough. Uh, this one is from Miss Goggins. The great Ravel- Ravelry name. <laughs> her top three ID. I think it's a her. She has a picture of a lady on it, so. Board games slash games not on a board, such as Kaplunk, Twister, etc. I don't think it's been done before. I've been playing games with my four-year-old boy at Christmas period. Much competitive shouting has been coming from our house. That sounds fun. <laughs> so we thought, yes, games slash board games. We don't want to be bored. We want to be playing those games. Only boring people get bored, Sophie. Hey, ooh, 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 interesting. Ooh, interesting. We'll talk about that some other time. But for the time being... Um, I don't know, it sounds boring. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, so uh, do you have a, a top three to tell me, Sophie Scott? I do. Um, Board Games Family is what I put as this title for my notes here. Okay. I think, yeah, it's often the Christmas period my family gets together and we're like, oh, we'll play that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So number three, I'd have to say Monopoly, but this is because... Uh, no one in my house likes playing it, so it's always relegated to the bottom. They're like, oh no, it takes hours. I love Monopoly. I love... Why have we not played this before? All right, I think you'd get to... Because it takes hours. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I'm very competitive. I think you'd be very competitive. But it's the setup of, like, setting up all the money, and then someone's got to be banker, and then, you know, it's usually someone... The banker's going to cheat. I don't know. Is there a political issue, a comment I'm making on this, a social comment i don't know who knows who knows anyway and then when i moved to london i was like oh i'm on the brown bit of the board or <laughs> yeah i still think about i'm like oh houston's blue yep 
Pentonville Road, yes, good. So you say you're very motivated to play Monopoly. I am, but I think I just, it appeals to my um, colour sense and lots of the little pieces, like the dog and the iron, and I find it very satisfying all the little houses. So maybe I just like models rather than actually playing Monopoly. Maybe what I understand. Maybe they should just let me play with the houses, you know. <laughs> Did you like Sylvanian families? Yes. It's all falling into place. Top three Sylvanian families next week. Oh, next I'd month. say the duck. Um, <laughs> badges. I like the badges. Anyway, back on topic. Anyway. So Monopoly, good. Yes, okay. Monopoly. Um, Scrabble. Okay. I've recently got back into Scrabble in a big way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, partly because I was going to buy... This is really boring. I was going to buy a board, but then found one in a charity shop and it's like a really old <laughs> Lydia is actually yawning. Do you know what Sophie said the word board? <laughs> Sorry, go on. I'm listening. It's like yawn board. <laughs> is that kind of assonance? I don't know. Um so it's yeah it's like this kind of uh fifties style board, which I quite like. Fun. Um there's little kind of like scuff marks where someone's always been picking up the pieces. I like that. Of not of their life, of the, <laughs> the tiles. The history in this board. Um, one thing I like about Scrabble, right? Because I've tried to convince uh, the other half to play more Scrabble. Mm -hmm, and he's mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm not very good at it. And I was like, no, 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 you practice. You, you use small words and then you get better. Mm -hmm. It's all about the placement on the board. That's my best Scrabble tip. You look for like triple word scores mm. and the triple letter scores. That's what you're looking for. Anyway, the thing is you can knit in between turns. Have That's a, true. It's a very civilised evening. Mm. Okay. Do a little bit knitting. Mm -hmm. Think about the words on your board, your, your little tiles. Yeah. You're like, well, I've got three R's, a Z. Hmm, great. What can I do with this? But <laughs> Raz. <you know. laughs> we did have a big argument. What word was he trying to use? Something from a rap song. He was like, no, it's a legitimate word. And I was like, no, it's not. And then he tried to use Lego. And I was like, the brand name's oh, not allowed. I was like, he was like, I didn't know you're such a stickler for the rules. And I was like, I am when it's Scrabble, man. <laughs> anyway, so that's a side note on my views of Scrabble. <laughs> <laughs> so what's it going to be? What's your number one? Number one is not on a board, but it's a game. So mm. what, what do I call it? We call it consequences in my family. So it's basically, you end up telling a story. You have girl's name, boy's name, where they met, what she said, what he said, and then you write the consequence to the story. Um, and you're each writing this on a piece of paper, but you swap after each element of the story, mm. each segment. So sometimes there are interesting themes that arise. Sometimes there's just uh, someone will put a stupid ending. Mostly my sister does the best <laughs> endings in the family, actually. <laughs> One of them was they dissolved into air. That was the consequence. <laughs> it's a memorable wow. one. And then they woke up. <laughs> yeah, I woke up and it was all a dream. <laughs> so that's a good one. So yeah, that consequences, swapping round. First you have to set up and find all the pens in the house and then there's someone, you know, trying to find the, it's Christmas, they're trying to find the radio times to rest on so you can start <laughs> writing. What about the sort of picture version of consequences where you draw a head and then fold it over and I someone find, else draws It's fun, but it's not as strong as the, the word one because when okay. you really get into it, it's also when you get really into the themes of the evening or if it's like a certain people around, you start putting people like characters, I say characters, like your grandmother, <laughs> who are in the room and she's meeting someone at the compost heap because she's a gardener and this is all the elements are coming together. It's good, quite, you're selling this to me. I it's mean, quite I, a I good, like good creative game. game, consequences, yeah. Great. All right. Check it out. Top three. Yeah. Okay, let's see if I can top your top three. Okay. So, um, I think we only have a small amount of overlap this time, which mm. is good. <laughs> I need to play more board games. I feel there's a lot of, like, board game cafes popping up in, like, Europe yeah. and, like, I say we're Europe as well at the moment. On the continent. Hera, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because I was mentioning uh, Hungry Hungry Hippos, which is a game that I enjoyed very much when I was younger. Um, the hippos will never be satisfied. <laughs> They'll always be hungry. Just always want, yeah, they want to eat all the time. So let's not talk about board games that is we operation, don't have. And, oh, that was a fun game. game. Yes. All right. Sorry, guys. All right. Anyway, the little tangent there. So my favourites. Okay, so I'm sort of almost reverse order to yours. So number three is something that we like to call the hat game. Which is kind of... You find the hat and put it on. <laughs> you knit a hat. No. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like an amalgamation of several other games, I think. And it was taught to my family by um, my sister's boyfriend. And we've now played it lots of Christmases in a row. And basically, you have to be in teams of three. 
So everybody on each team has to write down one person, ideally a celebrity, I think, mm-hmm. so that everybody knows who they are, um, a place or thing, and a you know, book or film or cultural artifact, mm-hmm. as Sophie uh, mm-hmm. rightly said. And then those all go into the hat, hence the hat game oh, aspect. Oh, I get it now. So then you go around in turns, and it's quite... The first time I played it, I didn't... I really didn't understand what we were doing, basically. But by the end of it, it was my fa- It was like my new favourite game. Um, so on the first round, everybody, you're allowed to... So you pick something out of the hat, and then you have to explain to your team members... Uh, what's on your piece of paper without using that word. Okay, yeah. So it's a bit like, oh, what's the... Articulate, Articulate, yeah. So it's like articulate for the first round and you have to explain to your team members. You pick something out of the hat, you have to explain to your team members without using that word what it is. Mm -hmm. And then once all of the words have been used, they all go back in the hat. Mm -hmm. And then round two, it's um, charades. Oh, cool. Yeah. But they, because they've all gone back into the hat, it's easier because you're kind of trying to remember Mm. the things that were used before. And then they, again, you go all the way around... People collect points on how many they can get right within their team. And then it goes all back into the hat. And for the final round, you're only allowed to say one word. This is a good game. And it's really good because by the end, you can pretty much say one word and your teammate teammates will know what's on your piece but of paper. But doesn't this game just get easier and easier as you go around? Or? Well, it gets easier in that you know what might come up, but mm. it gets harder to describe what's on the bits yeah. of paper. I think I've described it correctly. <laughs> I, oh, I, I know what you're talking about. If not, we'll get people to email it's in. It's like, really I need to know game. the conclusion yeah. of the game. <laughs> but it's quite... So that's why I was saying I was quite confused when we first started playing it. But by the end, it was so much fun. Because it's because you get like a kind of team mentality. Yeah, where you mind of, meld. Yeah. yeah, because the way that you've described something in the articulate round will inform the way that you can say okay, just cool. one yeah so there's lots of like fun layers to that so that's but i put that at number three because it's very fun but you need loads of people and it is very involved um and difficult to bring outsiders into because it's so complicated <laughs> so then at number two i also have scrabble nice little scrabble overlap yep, there yeah love scrabble um occasionally i play scrabble without using the triple like double triple words oh, okay. or things we just play scrabble with like a word theme Oh, so all well, the words like, have to be a like certain that. theme, but it, we sort of don't really score it properly because it's just for the thrill of the making of the words. Mm, I think Scrabble makes me competitive. I yes, found, I found my competitive edge finally. <laughs> yeah, but the rest of the time when I play Scrabble, I get very competitive, and I like to memorize the two-letter words that are high scorers and things oh, like yeah. that. Oh yeah, that's that's the tip. That's like the yeah. main way that you can cheat, or well, not really cheat, but you can kind of cheat the system. Yeah. at Scrabble when you don't have a very big vocabulary, as of course I don't, since I use the word "lovely" about six times a minute. It's um, <laughs> a lovely word. <laughs> it's lovely. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you just can't go wrong with Scrabble. Words are fun. Yeah. So, <laughs> at number one, I have the card game, the old lady card game, Bridge. We've talked about your love of Bridge before. Yes, I haven't played it very much recently, but I put it at number one, partially because uh, I ha- I see a lot of uh, longevity in mm-hmm. my love for Bridge. Bridging the gaps. Yes. It's a bridge over troubled water. Yeah. <laughs> um... Um, I'm assuming that a lot of people who are listening to this know what bridge is and if they don't it's a card game that you has to be played with four people and you play in teams of two um, and it's it can be it has a lot of rules I know about 10% of the rules I know enough of the rules to play it but enough not, of the rules to cheat <laughs> but not enough of the rules to do the scoring correctly which I think is the most complicated bit but um, the person doing that, oh no, Lydia, you lost again. No, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, no, there's lots of, because it's all about the betting that you do at the beginning. And there's lots of complicated rules about how you mm. bet and how you then get scored and things like that, which we haven't really used. But it's the kind of game that um, I guess like Scrabble and I'm assuming like chess, which isn't a game I ever really learned properly. Um, it will exercise your brain. Mm. Your brain cells get a little work out there. Well, that may be a good point to say... We hope this podcast has exercised your brain cells, or at least amused them for a while. Yeah, maybe amused your brain cells a little bit. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) so um, I guess we can say thank you again to everybody at Unravel, including the organisers who haven't had a shout out. And thank you to Amy, who is currently uh, womaning the pom-pom stand. (laughs) And taking care of all, all the stuff down there. And thank you to Vera, of course, for her wonderful interview and for coming along to unravel and just being a generally wonderful person and designer. Indeed. Um, 
Thanks for listening. As always, if you want any further info about the podcast, head to the uh, show notes. There's a blog post on the Pom Pom website. Uh, just go com forward slash podcast. Exactly, yeah. And as we said earlier, you can always email us, podcast at pompommag.com, say hi on the Ravelry group, and don't forget to check out the new interpretations books. Woohoo! Bye, guys! Bye! Love you, bye! That was very snappy. by Lydia Glock and Sophie Scott with lots of help from Eli Block who created the original music for this show for more Eli related music you can go to goodgirlandthebadtimes.com thanks as always to Megan Fernandez the co-creator and editor of Pom Pom Quarterly and thanks to Amy Collins who does lots of useful things behind the scenes thanks to Vera Valamaki who came all the way to Unravel to be interviewed we're super grateful to her and thanks as always to all you pom-pom buyers subscribers and listeners (laughs) 